0: Chapter number twelve, and uh, I am going to be preaching a passage uh, from Luke twelve. Uh, it's it, it, my title tonight. Don't put it up quite yet. My title tonight is a phrase that I have used more than once or twice uh, here in, in in the pulpit, but it, it, I have never had the opportunity to make it. The title of a sermon. And so tonight I am happy and I am excited because I finally get to preach the message You are better than a bird. (laughs) You are, no, you're not a bird. That's not what I'm saying. You're better than a bird. And so we're going to be in Luke 12 tonight. And we're going to be looking at a number of verses. Verses 23 through 34. Actually, verse 22 through 34. So if we need to go ahead and get that one up, we can get that one up as well. So Luke 12, beginning in verse 22. I invite when you found it to stand with me out of respect for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read all 13 of these verses to get started. Verse 22 of Luke chapter 12 says this, And he, that he is Jesus, said unto his disciples, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, neither for the body, what ye shall put on. For the life is more than meat, and the body is more than raiment. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add to his stature one cubit? If ye then be not able to do that which is the least, why take ye thought for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. Yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothe the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? And seek not what ye shall eat, nor what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. For all these things do the nations of the world seek after, And your father knoweth that you have need of these things. But rather seek ye the kingdom of God. And all these things shall be added unto you. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell that ye have, and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not old, a treasure in heaven that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Father, we do love you. And Lord, we ask now that you be with us as we look into your word. Give us, I pray, a spirit of attentiveness to what your word says, to how your spirit wants to speak to our hearts. And I pray that even in how we hear and heed God's word tonight, we would bring you our God glory. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Things like worry, fear, anxiety, lost sleep, lost peace are very real things that most people struggle with to one degree or another. And to be honest, from an earthly perspective, there's a lot to worry about. When you consider the direction of our country or the direction of the culture, from an earthly perspective, guess what, beloved, there's a lot to worry about. When you consider uh, investments and retirement and financial stability, the guy's in control of that. There's a lot to worry about. When you consider the prospect of the prosecution of righteousness, that's a very real possibility we face. We talked last Wednesday night about the... uh, uh, the rainbow sex cult that uh, infects our land. Well, there was a, a Christian who went in protest to one of the things this past week in Pennsylvania, and he was on the other side of the road from the gathering. He quoted a Bible verse about God is not the author of confusion, but the police said he did it too loudly, and so they arrested him. It's coming. You think about your job and the economy? Hey, we're getting ready to get new carpet. I worry about people spilling things on the new carpet. I mean, there's a lot to worry about. In fact, the fact that I have mentioned these things means some of you won't sleep well, won't sleep very well tonight, but hopefully we'll help you with that. You know, the Bible is clear. There's a lot of things that we could worry about, but our lives are not to be run by worry and anxiety. Verses like Philippians chapter 4, beginning in verse number 6, Paul wrote this: Be careful. That means be anxious for nothing. But Paul, don't you understand the the state of our country? Be careful for nothing. What about the economy? Be anxious for nothing. On and on we could go. But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And when we do that, what happens? The peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall what? Keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus now, worry is not something that we may ever completely eradicate, but it is something that we can live in victory over. Jesus said this in John chapter 16 and verse number 33. He said, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation. You're not always going to like what the doctor says. You're not always going to like what the boss man says. You're not always going to like what the retirement account does. You're not always going to like... but." In the world, he shall have tribulation. But Jesus said, Be of good cheer. What did he say? I have overcome overcome the world. And so we may never completely rid our lives of worry and anxiety, but we should never allow worry and anxiety to run our lives. What we're gonna find in tonight's passage is that Jesus lays out a prescription. For a life of confident victory over worry, fear, and anxiety. And if you remember nothing else, I want you to remember this statement. You are better than a bird. Amen. So let's look beginning in verse number 22. And he said unto his disciples, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what she shall eat, neither for the body, what she shall put on. The life is more than meat and the body is more than raiment. Roman numeral one tonight, if you're taking notes, I want you to note the strain of our concerns. The strain, the struggle of our concerns. Jesus uses the phrase, take no thought. That, that, that phrase gives the idea that we are not to be anxious, we are not to be worried, we're not to be concerned or consumed with something. And Jesus is here specifically teaching that we're not to be consumed with worry about temporal Things. He lists here two examples. He says, uh, Take no thought for your life, uh, for what you shall eat, or the body, what you shall put on. In other words, our lives are not to be consumed with the worry or anxiety about earthly temporal things. Now, there are a lot of things that want to pull on us. Amen. Our health pulls on us, family and friend relationships, they pull on us, finances pull on us, health pulls on us, the state of the culture pulls on us. It pulls and pulls and pulls and pulls. And I'm going to tell you, if you let it, it'll pull you apart. Let me give you an illustration. Give me Bentley. Give me Mr. Nitschke. Uh, give me, uh, uh, I need a couple. Uh, give, uh, uh, Brother Laura, you come on up and, and I'll come on down. So, so in essence, this is what happens, right? Bentley, you get to be the person. Come on. Front row. Front row. All right. So here's what happens. This is what happens. Face face the fine folks. See him. This is a good young man. I appreciate this young man. His heart for the Lord. But here's what happens, Bentley. You know, you get into life and all of a sudden, like, finances get a little wonky. And you know what happens? Finances start to pull on you. Pull on you. Pull on you. Pull on you. But then you know what else happens? Then we not only think about the finances. No, I want Brother Lauro for this. Uh, then, then maybe we start thinking about the family relationships. And come on, isn't this true? Finances want to pull us one way and family wants to pull us another way, right? But then we've got to consider our health too. Grab his feet. And, uh, and then we have health concerns. And we have things that pull and pull and pull and pull. And guess what? What happens? We let the things of this earth literally pull us apart. Thank you, guys. You may be seated. Bentley, you provided a wonderful illustration. Thank you, sir. Great is your reward in heaven. Boy, these things pull you in, and then they'll pull on you and pull on you and pull on you and pull on you. And if you let it, eventually they will pull you apart. Now, let's be clear tonight. Some things ought to pull on us. You know, the idea that I shouldn't have a care in the world—I'm gonna sit back and do nothing—that's not good either. That's just that—that is—that is quintessential, consumed with living for self and self comfort and 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 and, and self preservation. There are some things that ought to pull on us. You know what ought to pull on us? Uh, uh, Salvation. The salvation of our own soul. The salvation of the souls of people around us. We ought to care. We ought to be concerned. We ought to be concerned enough to do something about it. You know what ought to pull on us? God's will ought to pull on us. I want to live for him. I want to please him. You know what ought to pull on us? That, that we be growing into the image of Christ. That we be becoming more like him. Peter said that we, that we might be holy as he is holy. Paul put it that we might perfect holiness in the fear of God. You know, that ought to be a concern on us. That we are becoming more like Christ each day. So there are some things that ought to pull on us. There are some things we ought to be concerned with. But there's an important distinction that Jesus makes that we have to get. There are concerns that are good, righteous, and necessary. And then there are concerns that are false, earthly, or unnecessary. And you have to have the spiritual discernment to make that distinction. By the way, when it comes to worry and it comes to anxiety, here's what happens The way we assess risk changes over time. When I was 22 years old, the Lord called my family to Clyde, Ohio. So, what did I do? I took a wife and a one month old child, I put them in a car, I hired my co worker for the weekend, put him in a giant box truck, drove up to here 16, 17 hours straight shot with a one month old in the car. You know how I negotiated my, my, my first salary with Harvest? Pastor Lewis asked me the question, brother, what do you need? And I said, brother, I have no idea. What do I need to be there? Pastor Lewis gave me a number. I said, brother, can I live on that? He said, sure you can. I said, let's do it. That was the extent of my contract negotiation when I moved here. I mean, the way I assessed risk at that point, I really didn't assess risk at that point. Let's do something for God. Let's just do it. You know, now, like, I put more risk assessment into my haircut. Like, if I get it cut now, that means I'm going to have to get it cut again by, but do I really want to get it cut now, or maybe I should get it cut here because it's closer to this event, so I don't look like a a shaggy hippie for this event because I really can't get it cut that close together. And I mean, like, the older we get, we assess risk differently. And sometimes, boy... We worry about things that just aren't ours to worry about. We worry about things that pull us apart. And that's not what God tells us we should be doing. And so we see, first of all, the strain of our concerns. Yes, there are some things that we ought to be concerned about. But, beloved, we have to have spiritual discernment to distinguish what is ours to be concerned about and what is not. Because if we are being pulled apart by worry and concern and anxiety, something is wrong. So we see first the strain of our concerns. But I want you to see how Jesus continues to develop here his prescription for us. Not only do we see the strain of our concerns, look with me if you would at verse 24 and 25. Here Jesus says, consider the ravens, for they they neither sow nor reap. Uh, which neither have storehouse nor barn, and God feedeth them. How much more are ye better than the fowls? And which of you, with taking thought, can add one stature, or one can add to his stature one cubit? I'll go ahead and read verse twenty-six. While we're at it, if ye then are not able to do that thing which is the least, why take ye thought for the rest? So not only does Jesus point out the strain of our concerns, literally these things are pulling us apart, but Jesus also points out the sham of our control. <laughs> you know, the concept that we have a lot of control in life is, is, a, is a well-concocted lie that we tell ourselves. I, I, I enjoy the image of having control over my life. I enjoy the idea that that I have a fair amount of influence. uh, But the reality is that in a lot of areas, I really don't have any control at all. Jesus gives a couple of examples here to show how little control we really have over things and why it's silly to worry about them. Uh, Jesus first tells us to consider the birds. You ever stop and think about how all of creation is perfectly and beautifully cared for by God? You know, you run the numbers, and the last time I checked, there were about 400 billion birds in the world. 400 billion. By the way, last time I checked, I think there were about 8 billion humans. That means there are 50 times the amount of birds that there are people. If you're afraid of birds, that's another thing to worry about. Um, There are 50 to 1. They've got us outnumbered. Sounds like the making of a pretty terrifying movie. Um, But I digress. Not only are there over 400 billion birds in the world, there are over 18,000 species, many of which having different dietary needs. Let's be honest. I I struggle sometimes to to accommodate people with peanut and gluten allergies. Uh, And I mean like these birds, 18,000 different species. And yet, and yet, even with the sheer volume and diversity out there, God manages to feed them every single day. This is a task that the richest man couldn't do for considerations of cost or coordination for more than a month. Probably more than a week. Probably they'd never actually get it done at all. How do you know that, preacher? The U.S. Postal Service can't even deliver my mail on time. One of man's great creations. And yet you compare the U.S. Postal Service to the care that God gives the birds. One is definitely better than the other. Because when you consider the care and provision that God has given for the birds, God has done it for thousands of years. The birds don't have barns. The birds don't have storehouses. The birds don't plant crops. The birds don't worry. Why? Because the birds know that God will take care of them. Not only does Jesus can tell us to consider the birds, Jesus also tells us to consider our bodies. And he uses a cubit here. He says, Which of you, by thinking about it, can add a cubit? That's about a foot and a half to their stature. I'll make it for us English people. Who can add a foot to their statue, stature by thinking about it? None of us can. None of us can. I mean, when I was little, I hung from the monkey bars and and dreamed I could grow like Michael Jordan. And maybe that helped me. I don't know. But I heard Robbie did the same thing, and it didn't work for him. So none of us can simply by willing it to happen add a foot to our height. We can't do it. I can't make myself taller. But I also can't will myself to stay healthy. You know, when I was diagnosed with cancer years ago, I was really brought face to face with the reality of how little control I have. When you get sick, whether it be the flu or, or COVID or pneumonia or whatever, we, we really have very, very little. There are some things we can control with diet and exercise, and that helps, Right? <laughs> Until you remember the story of James Fix. How many of you have ever heard of James Fix? James Fix was the man back in, I believe, the 70s and 80s, or maybe it was the 80s and 90s. Either way, it was before my time. Uh, He was the one who was credited with getting us Americans excited about jogging. He was like America's first fitness guru, and he was the jogger, man, and he would jog and jog and jog, and he wrote best-selling books about jogging, and he had all of America jogging until one day on a jog, he died of a heart attack at age 52. We really have very little control. So what's our response? I mean, for many, it's to worry. Oh, what's the doctor going to say? Oh, this. Oh, that. And we play the what-if game. How many of you are really good at the what-if game? Yeah, me too. But when Jesus points out the sham, the lie, the fallacy of our control, he's, he's not pointing this out so that we'll worry more. He's pointing it out that it's pointless to worry about it. Because you can't do anything about it one way or another. And so if you can't do anything about it, why worry? So much of our worry comes from things that we can't control. So much of our worry comes from things that will never happen. So, so often earthly concerns, though, what happens? Earthly concerns, if we allow them to take over, they keep us from eternal endeavors. I'm not going to go to church because I might get sick. I'm not going to give. I'm not going to give to offerings on a regular basis. I, I'm not going to bring, bring my tithes and offerings to God's house because something might come up. I'm not going to witness because I might be rejected. I'm not going to try because I might fail. I mean, let's be honest. Things that are outside of our control are scary. And it's not that we completely ignore these concerns, But it's also that we refuse to let them pull us apart. Because Jesus, he's now going to go on to teach us what we do when these concerns come. So we see the strain of our concerns. They want to pull us apart, don't they? We see what the sham of our control. I like to feel I have all this control. But the reality is I don't have nearly as much as I think I do. But I want you to see what Jesus, how Jesus rounds us out over the next eight verses. He gives us, thirdly tonight, the source of our confidence. I want to show you four things. Four things that we are going to subjugate our worry to. When they arise, all right? Look with me first at verse 27 and 28. He said, Consider the lilies, how they grow. They toil not, they spin not. And yet I say unto you that Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If God so clothed the grass which is today in the field and tomorrow is cast in the oven, How much more will he clothe you, O ye of little faith? I want us to see what we do when worry and concern arise. Well, we subjugate them, number one, to a grounded faith. A grounded faith. Jesus says, God has done all of this for the grass. Don't you think he'll take care of you, O ye of little faith? You know, the reality about faith is we exercise faith every day of our lives. How many of you take a medication? You don't have to tell me what it is. That'd be violating HIPAA. But I take medication. I've never run a chemical analysis on that medication. Sometimes the pill I get one month is different from the pill I get another month. It's a different shape or it's a different color. And I assume, ah, it's a different generic, and I pop it in my mouth, right? I mean, maybe some of you have less faith in the pharmacist than I do, but we have faith. We have faith every single day. Oh, think about this. How many of you have ever had a mechanic work on your car? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We worry what? About getting taken advantage of financially. But you know, the reality is, well, what, if, what, if they, what if they, in putting in the brakes, actually cut the brake line? I mean, but do you go under the hood of your car and inspect what they did? Do you check to make sure the brake lines are still intact, that, uh, that, the, that the electronics haven't been hacked or communicated? You know? No, we don't. What do we do? We, ju- we just we have faith that whatever they did, they may have taken advantage of us financially, but they're not trying to kill us at least, right? You ever eaten at a restaurant? That's faith, brother. You have no idea how long that food's been in their fridge. Or what they actually did to it before they brought it to you. Sometimes those lights are low on purpose. And what do we do? We eat by faith and not by sight, right? None of you, I'm betting, have asked to go back into the kitchen and watch your food be prepared from start to finish. You have faith. We all have faith. But what Jesus is saying is when it comes to the earthly things, we we have to have faith in something. So it's either faith in our effort to make sure that we can have it all and get it all and eat it all and know what about, or we can have faith in God. That He is going to give us our daily bread just like He said He would. We can have faith in God that He's going to provide our needs according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. A ground of faith. Hey, God is worthy of your faith. If the pharmacist is worthy of your faith, how much more is God? If the mechanic is worthy of your faith, how much more is God? If the cook at the restaurant who got hired two days ago is worthy of your faith. Now, let's be honest. He was hired two days ago. If he's worthy of your faith, how much more God? If God so close, you look at God's handiwork. If God took the time to clothe the grass of the field the way He did, don't you think He's worthy of your faith that He's going to take care of you? And I'm going to tell you this the amount of your faith is not nearly so important as the aim of your faith. There are a lot of people who have faith in themselves, they have a lot of faith in themselves. But it's misplaced. And it will fail them. So it's not the amount of our faith. It is the aim of our faith. And when worry, concern, and anxiety creep up, what do we do? We put it beneath a grounded faith. So what do we do when we have worry? Number one, we put it beneath a what? Grounded Faith. We'll get it. I don't have it on the screen, but I'm going to get it in your brain. We're going to put it beneath what? A grounded faith. Look at verse 29 and 30. Jesus goes on. He says, And seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of a doubtful mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. So we switch here. Jesus He switched from using God, the name God, to using the title Father. Not only can we have a ground of faith, but we also have to remember number two, we have a good Father. We have a good Father. So, in other words, I see what God is capable of with the grass of the field. But you've got to understand, it's more than that God is capable, God cares. God cares. He is a good father who not only cares for his creation, but cares for his children. I've said it before. You know, as a father, I want to be a good father to my children. But you know what? I don't always know what they need. You know, sometimes I think I know what they need, and I'm wrong. Sometimes they don't tell me what they need out of fear of whatever. But the reality is nothing is hid from God. And so God's not going to misunderstand what you need. God's not going to uh, uh, have, have good intentions but unfulfilled intentions. God's not going to slip up. No, God is good. And He not only is capable, He cares. And the reality is that we have to grasp tonight is that God is bigger and God is better than anything that threatens your peace. Anything that wants to bring worry and anxiety and fear and upheaval into your life, God is bigger and God is better. Amen. So, what do we do with worry, anxiety, and care? Number one, we're going to put it beneath a grounded faith. Number two, we're going to remind it that we have a good father. Look at that. They put it on the screen for you. That's handy. Number three, look at verse 31. But rather, seek ye the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we're going to have a grounded faith. We're going to remind it we have a good father. And we're going to choose, number three, a godly focus. Jesus said, but rather, you know, there's a better way to do this. But rather, rather, rather than being pulled apart by these earthly cares, seek ye the kingdom of God. Make that your focus. I need to be able to trust God with what, he has been, with what he has promised to take care of and to position myself to take care of what he has given me to take care of. Bentley, come on back up. Mr. Nietzsche, come on back up, Brother Laura, come on back up. I need one more person. I need one more person. Uh, Chase, Chase, you want to help? Come on, man. Uh, I'm going to let you take my place as the care of money. And then, Brother Lauro, uh, you're going to take, uh, you're going to do, what, family, and you're going to be health. And uh, here's the thing. They're going to start pulling on you. Start pulling on you. Don't, don't actually pick them up because Chase is over there this time. But we're pulling on him, right? We're pulling on him, pulling on him, pulling on him. <laughs> but here's the thing. Bentley, You can choose. Hey, we can choose. Amen. Be like, you know what? God's promised to take care of my needs. I'm not worried about finances no more. Get out of here. Go sit down. He said, you know what? I know what God's told me to be for my family, and I may not be able to control all of the things, but I'm going to be what God has told me to be. So you know what? I'm not worried about that. And you know what? Even if, I, even, even if it doesn't work out and I have a heart attack at 52, I'm going to go running. So I'm going to do what I can to be a good steward of my body. And beyond that, I'm not going to worry about it. Amen? Because that's God's. But you know there's something else pulling on you. Hey, God's got something for you to do. And, and you see, the thing is, you couldn't hear that with all that other stuff going on. But now that you've shaken all of that, hey... God's got a will for you. Come on, come on. And guess what? I start pulling on him, and he starts following God. He starts following God. Hey, all my worries and cares, go back, go back. You guys, come on, come on, get back up there. We'll call you up one more time. Hey, right there, stay there. That's where you are. That's where you are. Here's the thing. He's, he's, he's got the pull of the Spirit. He's got to do something for God. And guess what? Is all of that still there? But guess what? The farther we get away, what happens? The less pull they have, the more things of earth grow strangely dim. Thank you. You guys may be seated. I promise not to call you up again. Probably. 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 So what do we do? That's a godly focus. When I, when I choose to allow the pull of the eternal to take and shape my focus then the issues of the everyday will fade into the background. There's no reason for you to allow yourself to get pulled apart when God wants you when God wants to pull you closer and closer to himself every day. And when it comes to all that other earthly stuff, I'm going to do my job and I'm going to let God do his. So what happens? I got like 5 minutes. What happens? When worry and anxiety creep up, number one, I'm going to remind it I have a grounded faith. Number two, I'm going to remind it I have a good father. Number two, I'm going, to, I'm going to choose to have a godly focus, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God. Finally, look at verses 32 through 34. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom Sell that ye have, and give alms, and provide yourself bags which wax not old, and a treasure in heaven that faileth not. Where no thief approacheth, neither moth corrupteth. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. I love what Jesus says, because worry and anxiety and all of that is real, and it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And Jesus comes in, he's so compassionate. Fear not little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I have a grounded faith. I have a good father. I have a godly focus. And number four, I remind my earthly worry that I have a guaranteed future. Boy, I'm going to tell you it's a fearful thing to take your hand off the wheel. I mean, I don't even like to let my wife drive. (laughs) It is a fearful thing to take your hand off the wheel. Can I tell you what? It's also a fearful thing to live with both hands open so that God can put in and take out whatever he wants. Boy, because when I have my hands closed, there's a security to that. We're called to live with both hands open so that God can put in what he wants and so God can take out what he wants. But we can know that whatever he chooses for us here the hereafter is greater than any of us can imagine. And so when worry and stress and fear and anxiety want to raise their ugly head here, I got to remind them, hang on, because they don't get to steal my attention because the best is yet to come. And so I stop myself and I meditate on the fact that the that the, the sufferings that I experience here are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in me. I remind myself what I remind myself that if I suffer with him here I can reign with him there. I remind myself that he has gone to prepare a place for us and he will come again and receive me unto himself that where I am there he uh, there where he is there I may be also and I stop and I meditate on the guaranteed future. Yeah, the doctor may give me bad news. Yeah, family may let me down. Yeah, the stock market may crash. Yeah, our nation may go to pot. But what God has prepared will never change. And will always be worth whatever we experience here. Church, I'm going to tell you, the pull, the fight is always there. And another one of Jesus' sermons, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus reminded us three times in that one sermon to take no thought, to not be pulled apart, Matthew 6, 25, Matthew 6.31 and Matthew 6.34. You know, it was almost as if Jesus knew that there would always be something in this life lurking on the horizon that could serve to pull us apart if we let it. And the reality is there is no end to the maybes, to the what ifs, to the whatabouts that this life can bring. And the reality is King Jesus readily admits that many portions of this life will be unpleasant. But what we can know and what the crux of the prescription is is that though life won't always be pleasant, Jesus will always be enough. God is more than enough for today. God will be more than enough for tomorrow. After all, He takes care of the grass, amen? Amen. He takes care of the birds. And you, His beloved child, are better than a bird.